This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Heather Kelly is the founder and CEO of Heather's Choice. Um, if you're a hunter, you've probably heard of Heather's Choice. They're packaroons, the first little like hockey puck um, bars or what they were super famous for. And they are now more famous because they've just been on Shark Tank. I didn't realize this, but the chance of you getting on Shark Tank is like 0.01%. It is absolutely nuts. And Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice got on Shark Tank and talked about the products and talked about everything. We didn't, she didn't uh, reveal whether or not anything has come from it or not. It has aired already and the business is booming and going crazy. So we wanted to have her on, talk about that experience and just talk a little bit about what she's done, whether she hunts or not, and uh, her sort of intersection between what she does and as she terms it, the back country and the front country. So enjoy. If you love it, share it. If you love it, leave us a review. If you love it, give us a five-star rating. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So I apologize for being uh, late. Um, 
I pride myself on being German. I am German, okay? So like two minutes before something is late for me. Oh. And we are in snowpocalypse here in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis does not receive snow. It gets maybe a dusting or two inches and then by overnight and by lunchtime it's gone. Well, we have six inches of snow on the ground right now and it is 15 degrees outside and is not planning to get above 15 for the next three days. Oh, good. So my little savages are super happy because we get text messages from school. Oh, school's closed again tomorrow. Oh, school's closed again tomorrow because we don't have any snow plows. We don't have any salt trucks. We have nothing. Right. So you can, the main drags, like I just actually just drove to the airport. Um, the main drags are okay, but you get into neighborhoods and it's just a sheet of ice, a sheet of snow and ice. And so the, the school trucks, uh, school trucks, <laughs> school buses can't go anywhere. <laughs> um, school trucks of kids. Um, yeah, and this whole, I don't know what the hell happened. I got to Dallas airport super early to get back here on Sunday before, after the first show of the season. And I was there at 11, two and a half hours before my, my plane. Um, and. Uh, Non-stop flight, super easy flight, one-hour flight, and my bag didn't make it on the plane. Oh, well. And so they're like, oh, we'll deliver it. We'll (laughs) deliver it. And I was like, okay, nobody's driving in this area anymore, so like, how are you going to deliver it? And my next problem is, I go to Sheep Show on Thursday. I don't have a tuxedo, I don't have a suit, I don't have toiletries, I don't have nothing, because it's all in the bag that's at the Memphis airport. Right. Anyway. Anyway, that's not what we're on the podcast to talk about. I'm jealous that you're getting to go to Sheep Show. That is always a good time. 100%. That's why I talked to Brooke, and I was like, Brooke, is she going to go to Sheep? If she's going to Sheep, come on, let's just do this in person, man. Totally. I wish. I feel like I've been locked in a corner, a dark corner for the last year, just working. So one of these days, they'll let me out of my little corner of the world. <laughs> well, um, all that work has, has freaking led you to Shark Tank, which is freaking amazing. Yes. Holy shit, man. Excuse my language. No, 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 no. That was, that was a peak experience for sure. Like probably a once in a lifetime opportunity and the chances of getting on, I think are 0.0016%. Really? Yeah. So what happens? Explain. Okay. Before I get on, I I do terrible jobs of introducing people. We just start chatting. Heather Kelly, Heather's Choice. Welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. I feel like we've, we've circled, we've run in the same like little circles of people but have actually never met. Maybe, did we ever met? Even, did we meet back in the day at Sheep Show four years ago, five years ago, maybe? If we did, it would have been like after hours in the lobby, after a couple of drinks and who knows, <laughs> right? <laughs> Tough to tell. But Joe, I don't know if we, I don't, I don't know if we, I don't know if we ever met or whatnot. I'm not sure if we did either. But it feels like the Heather's Choice journey um, and Blood Origins have been pretty much like, not we, we we all when did you start Heather's Choice? I started in 2014. Okay. Yeah, then you're you're yeah, you're way ahead of us then obviously. Um but not too far. We started I started thinking about pushing out in twenty seventeen. 
I feel like we were in the sort of sort of growing, 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 and now you're freaking at Shark Tank. I was like, damn it, Robbie. Come on, man. Get your shit together. <laughs> um So you got it. so talk to me about I'm super, super intrigued about like how you ex- actually do it. You say the chances of getting on are like slim to none, number one. Do you have to apply? Yeah, it's a crazy setup. So this was season fifteen. So imagine fifteen years in the making of this show. And they have their website, ebc.com. You can just throw your name in the hat, which is what I did. You know, it's cold and dark here in Alaska in January. And I was one night like, sure, I'll just go on there, abc.com forward slash shark tank, throw my name in the hat and like forgot about it completely. They also do casting calls. So you can find a casting call in your area and go and pitch to the producers But the crazy thing is the statistic that I read is they have 50,000 companies a year that apply. And then they they film 150, but they only air 80. So like, not only are your chances slim of getting selected to film, but after you film, after you go through all that effort, they could be like, "Mm, that wasn't very entertaining. We're just gonna... But what if if in the filming... You got money. Will will they still cut people that get money? I I bet you they would, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is television. We're trying to make good television, remember? (laughs) Mm. Yeah, but you're not there for... Well, yes, you are technically, but you're also there to get some investing money. It's The ideal scenario is you get both, but the other statistic is most deals fall through after, right? Because an investor will then go through... All of your paperwork, look at everything, make make a decision. So getting on air is the first priority. Getting a deal is a nice cherry on top. Getting a deal that actually closes, I feel like is, you know, winning a home run. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. The the television exposure of the brand is monstrous. Yeah. Yeah. We had a pillar weekend of sales. That was really (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's just back up a little bit. Um you have been on Shark Tank. It has aired. Yep. We let's see, I filmed in September. It aired January twelfth. And now in the background you can likely hear the subtle hum of tape guns because I think we had nine hundred Amazon orders come in and you what, only is that have... a record? Oh, that's nuts. That's that's ridiculous for us. And <laughs> you have a condensed period of time to ship Amazon orders. Otherwise like you start getting cancellations and refund requests and whatever. So yeah, we are hustling to get orders out the door. Has anything else come from it beyond the orders? Have people reached out and go, hey Saw you, love the product. Yeah. It's been really humbling for me having created a product that I thought I was making for my dirtbag packrafting friends here in Alaska. It was humbling even to be adopted by the hunting community and that whole experience we've had over the last almost decade of feeding hunters in the Western state. Now to have people writing in saying, I have MS. I can't stand on my feet for 30 minutes at a time. I can't make myself a meal. I can't go grocery shopping. But this is going to be a great option for me. Or 
people who have had knee surgery and need a quick, easy meal option, like suddenly the use cases for the meals has just been blown wide open. And it's a little intimidating because we make these meals 300 at a time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, exactly. Oh, you know, I thought I needed more capital. Now I really need more capital. Like this girl needs a bigger kitchen, more dehydrators, bigger kettles, like the whole thing. And I feel like that's a piece that maybe a lot of people don't realize is it's easy to say like, well, why don't you just scale up? And you're like, okay, every time I turn around and need another piece of equipment, it's $100,000. Like that part, I, I think just kind of, it goes over people's heads how expensive it is to scale a food operation, probably any business for that matter. Did you have a, I, I'm, I'm curious, did you have a bunch of South Africans test out your African peanut uh, stew? Because I didn't. we're the real t- you, yeah, you. That's uh, that's why you didn't get the deal right there. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe that'll get me to South Africa. <laughs> well, if you know, if you know, if if you know somebody who's South African, you know that may that could help be easier than you think. You know, I don't know who you'll find that South African <laughs> intent. Love this plan. Love this plan that's developing. So. You've certainly changed from the first time I heard about Heather's Choice. Obviously, everybody changes and the only with change comes the growth. With change comes this like next level, next level, next level. Because I knew Heather's Choice is, is the macaroons, right? Yep. That was like the thing, the little little uh, hockey pucks and everyone was going crazy with the hockey pucks. That's still staple core piece of the business. It is still a part of the business. It's still a big part. And honestly, going into Shark Tank, I thought that I was selling the Packeroon dream, right? Because that's a product that everybody loves. It's super scalable. The recipe is super adaptable. They could be in every convenience store in the country. They could be in every Whole Foods. They could be everywhere. And I like march out there thinking that I'm going to pitch the Packeroon dream. And these people did not care. Could not have cared less about the packerines. All they wanted to talk about was the meals. And I was like, oh God, this is not going to plan. <laughs> so, but you yeah, had everything have, there, right? You had everything available for them to look at and touch. And... Yeah, totally. Because the tricky part about the packerines is, you know, they compete with Cliff Bar, Kind Bar, RX Bar, like the biggest company. Cliff Bar, I think, is a billion dollar a year business, right? So when you're coming in and you're like, hey, I developed a snack product. It's really good. Everybody likes it. It's such a red ocean of competition that you have to have a whole metric ton of VC money behind you to scale that and to get on shelf and to get customers and sort of outbid all the other snack foods that are out there. So that makes it challenging for sure. Is the... I would think that you could say the same thing about the the meals, right? Isn't the freeze-dried meal space super competitive too? Man, that's a great question. I feel like there are some big players in the game. Let's take Mountain House as an example. Been around longer than yep. I've been alive. To dethrone Mountain House would be a real challenge, right? Which is something like Peak Refuel has been working to do. What Correct. I see though is that there's a very 
clear segment of people reaching for freeze-dried meals to take on their backcountry trips. What I haven't seen is somebody actually take a dehydrated food product and integrate it into people's everyday life. So mm. you today dealing with a snowstorm, power outages, whatever. 100%. You 100%. Good. Dig into your emergency food preparedness stores, but you don't really want to because it's not that good. It's there for emergency preparedness and it's been sitting there for 15 years versus having something in your pantry that you're like, oh, this is going to be dynamite. And I, I know this is going to sit well on my stomach. I know it's going to taste good. I know I can serve it to my family. And I think that's one of the major evolutions I've seen in Heather's choice, even in the last 12 to 18 months. We have a staff of 10 people here who prep, cook, dehydrate, package, ship, market, and sell the products. And every day, I go down to the break room, our little teeny tiny break room, and I see half of them eating a Heather's Choice meal, either for breakfast or for lunch. And I'm like, wait a second. How many of you guys eat this food more frequently at home or in the front country than you do in the back country? Every single one of them. Like they will eat Heather's Choice meals three, four, five, seven, eight, nine, ten times a week, but we'll go backpacking twice a year. So mm. it's been this like Chinese torture water drip on my forehead of like, there's a much bigger market opportunity here that I have been completely ignoring. <laughs> yeah, and I've never heard the term front country. <laughs> you can have that. <laughs> No, I like it. I like it. It's it is. It's the home country, man. Right? It's like, and even us, like Blood Origins, we, you know, we go all over the world, and, you know, this year alone we're going to be South Africa, Spain, France, probably Australia, Tanzania, and you know, you just you most often you're just relying on, you're you're being the guest of someone, which is phenomenal, right? Um, but we're not technically backcountry either. Yeah. You know, we're, we're rolling vehicles around. We're going from place to place to place to place. And if you, if you had good meals that tasted great, that all it would take is you stopping on the side of the road and, and sitting down with the camera crew and having a good meal in the front country, quote unquote, versus stopping at a restaurant and sitting down and ordering food and whatnot, and you know, from totally. my perspective as a nonprofit, there's a there's a there's a cost savings and a time savings associated with that. And that's that's pretty darn exciting to me as somebody who is super geeked on the nutrition side of things to think about providing really high quality to food to people all the time, whatever they're doing, whether they're like me and they've been stuck in an office for the last 12 months, or it's somebody who's venturing way far out into the middle of nowhere. I'm surprised how satisfied I've been to hear that people are using their, our food in their everyday life. It hasn't been this sense of like, no, it was made for the backcountry, surely be eating it in the back, like none of that. It's like my sole mission is to feed people good food, and I don't care when, how, or why. <laughs> and that's pretty awesome for me to experience because that's not what I set out to do when I started, but that is the very tangible pull 
that is happening to me in the business right now. Do you do you look have has anybody put and again I have no idea, right? So forgive me here. But what is that your your obviously your price point is probably going to be a little higher, a lot higher than a mountain house, right? Or peak refuel. I don't know. I don't know the numbers. But when I look at your numbers, I'm like, man, all right, sixteen bucks for a meal. Oof. Okay, that's a lot. But how does that how does that translate to to the customer base? Again, I've ashamedly be straightforward and say I've never bought anything of yours. But oh, off a- this podcast I will. Um <laughs> What do people say there, uh, Heather? You know, we increased our prices for the first time ever in March of 22 since I started in August of 2014. And I didn't hear boo about it because I think when I started, a Mountain House meal was 7 or $8. Now I think it's 11 to 13 So I feel like other companies have sort of raise their prices over the years to be closer to that 11, 12, 13, 14 dollar price range. And I want Heller's Choice to maintain that premium price because we are a premium product, right? Like the fact that you get 40 grams of protein in the grass-fed bison chili is asinine, right? The fact that it's grass-fed, the fact that it's so high protein. And in a place like Anchorage, Brad and I went to brunch on Sunday, whatever day it was, and an omelet was $16. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to cook the food, dehydrate it, make it shelf stable for you, and it's going to be fully nutritionally balanced for you to like really feel satiated when you walk away from this. You know, I don't question our price points and I don't feel like it's too high. I think if anything, I can do a better job of educating people on what they're actually getting in every meal because it's not fast food. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's very slow food. Eight to twelve hours slow yeah. food. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I think today's. I think people that are are looking for product in the hunting space, in the outdoor space, whatnot, are okay paying more, right? It's the model of the kuyu or sukkah or something like that. They're expensive, but they're expensive because they're bloody good, and it's you know I was talking to an artist friend of mine from the UK who came out to Dallas Safari Club show and she was blown away at what the artists were charging for their art. And she was like, I should raise my, my, my numbers. And I said, Katie, I said, and I don't know if the, in the food space, this is the same way. It may be a little bit, but I said, Katie, if somebody sees your artwork for a hundred bucks, or they see the same piece and you've put an $800 price tag on it, they're going to go, I may buy that $800 because something about it in, you know, psychologically is like, oh man, expensive means better. Right. Right. And a hundred bucks, oh, that's so cheap. That. She mustn't be that very good. Exactly. Totally. Somebody brought it up to me earlier this week as I was expressing like, you know, there's a question mark of whether people would pay $15 to have a meal at their desk or on the road or whatever. And they're like, yeah, well, people also thought it was crazy that folks would spend $7 for a coffee. And I think Starbucks did all right for themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, no, 100%. 100%. Um, so 
have a background, you you hunt, you don't hunt. Um, what's the deal? Yeah. I first started hunting after I started Heather's Choice. My boyfriend Brad took me on a blacktail hunt in Prince William Sound. And that was my first ever hunting experience, probably in 2015. Since then, Brad and I have gotten to chase bears and moose and caribou, and it's been ridiculously fun. We did not get a moose this fall, and I'm hating it because I don't have, you know, 300 plus pounds of burger to reach for every night. So, yeah, our hunting experiences this year were slim to none. But living in a place like Alaska, obviously we have unlimited access, it feels like, mm-hmm. and we are super spoiled. So we try to go moose hunting for the efficiency of it because squirrel likes to eat Lots red. of meat with one pullet. Yeah, lots of meat with one pull of the trigger, essentially. Totally. Yeah. So, so why did you not, where did you grow up then if, if you were in Alaska? You grew up in Alaska? Yeah, I was born and raised. I'm, I guess now, second generation. My grandparents on both my mom and my dad's side moved up to Alaska pre-statehood. So imagine early 1950s driving to Alaska when Anchorage was probably tent city. Like, Amazing. So wild. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So you out in Alaska, how come you never hunted? Aaron's don't hunt. Like my dad doesn't cook for himself. He does not hunt. My stepdad probably has never shot a gun a day in his life. Like it just wasn't something that my family did. We did a lot of fishing, a lot of salmon fishing. But honestly, it wasn't ever presented as something to go do. Similar to rafting. Like I didn't get into rafting until I was 18 when I was hired by the local rafting company and was like, what do I do with these oars? <laughs> you know, kind of had to <laughs> learn it from scratch. <laughs> so it was never something that was even on my radar, probably because not something that my family did. I do distinctly remember as a kid, my uncles were on the roadkill list. And there was one Thanksgiving that we were all at my grandparents' house. And all of a sudden, the uncles took off and came back with a whole moose. And then there it was hanging in the garage and was like getting to see them process it. So that was about as much as I knew about hunting prior to starting Heather's Choice. But did not have a negative perspective perception of hunting just just didn't do it just didn't do it yeah like i say my dad is not somebody who was ever into that just wasn't a thing mm. Mm. yeah it's you know it's funny when you ask the questions of people who didn't do it before and uh are into it now and i ask that same question to them like your perspective or perception it, it's, it sort of reflects the vast majority of, I think, the world's population in that you've got people who grew up anti, you've got people who grew up hunting, and you've got this middle sector really doesn't didn't know, don't know, don't have a, an opinion one way or another. It's sort of just whatever, right? You guys do what you do. And if something bad shows up in the, in the news or whatnot, then you, you, know, you tend to be a little negative uh, because of what you saw. Totally, yeah. I think for someone like my mom, as an example, who has brothers that hunt and that was a thing that they did, it's still intimidating to her when I'm like, Brad and I are going on a bear hunt. And she's like, really? Is that, is that a good <laughs> idea? Like, are you sure? But then obviously they will partake when we make bear chili, moose stew, whatever it is. So there's an appreciation on the food side of things. 
But I would say there's, to your point, like a vast majority of people who don't understand how much goes into it or there's just a lot of question marks. Like, where do you go? How do you do it? I remember taking my hunter safety course and being like, is it okay if I ask all the dumb questions about how to shoot a gun? Because I've never done this before. <laughs> right? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's intimidating, man. You know, people getting into it, it's just the, the barrier of entry is so high and you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know the rules. You don't know the regulations. Um, that's why there's so many of these mentor mentee systems popping up and also a lot of these like programs or camps specifically for women or specifically for men or specifically for, you know, people of color. It's really, there is a niche, there is a business to be made there because the barrier of entry is just so high. Right. And that's how I got lucky was, one, having Brad, who grew up in Colorado, grew up hunting, who was willing to take me on that first trip. And, you know, just the process of breaking down that deer, I was enamored. I'm like, this is crazy. Never done this before, right? Never, like, actively looked for animals Maybe never heard a gunshot right next to me, never butchered an animal, never carried one out of the field, never packed it up and put it in the freezer, never learned, you know, all the things that go along with cooking wild game. Like, there was a lot about it that was really intriguing to me. And I distinctly remember signing up for the Becoming an Outdoors Woman Hunter Safety course. And that was game changing for me to pay 15 bucks to have three nights with 30 other women, like I said, asking kind of the dumb questions of like, okay, let's not assume that I know anything about firearms. Like, again, that intimidation Mm. factor can be so high. And I got really lucky having a partner that was willing to teach me and then obviously getting recruited to be a part of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers as somebody who's getting into hunting as an adult and being like, hi, I don't speak the language. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're going to have to slow down a second and teach me a lot. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. 100%. So if somebody is interested in the product, they've never heard of Heather's Choice before, uh, we have a very, very big global uh, audience. Um, Disappoint people right now. Can they get it in Australia? Nope. Nope. Not in okay. Australia. Hearts are hearts are broken in Australia. Yeah. Um where can where who in the world can get Heather's choice and then where can they get it? Yeah, right now we ship all across the US. We do ship to Canada, but this shipping is not cheap. I'm gonna share with you my dream scenario because potentially there's gonna be somebody that's gonna listen to this that's gonna volunteer. I <laughs> see a world where Heather's choice would have kitchens globally. Right. Because right now I have a kitchen in Anchorage, Alaska, shipping to the US. I'm fully working towards building a kitchen in the lower 48 in the Pacific Northwest. And I see a need in a place like Australia, New Zealand, South America, like globally. Globally, people need good food. Globally, people need shelf stable food that can last for years on end. So if there is somebody listening in Australia and they want to, team up for the first Heather's Choice franchise, call me. <laughs> well, not joking about it. I do have people who have some phenomenal stores in Australia that would 
probably jump at the the um, opportunity to have your product in store um, as almost like a distributor kind of scenario. Um, there is a uh, there's actually a lady coming to Sheep Show um, who runs a hunting and fishing store in Victoria called Mansfields Fishing and Hunting. Phenomenal woman, phenomenal store, very well known and the reputation is in, impeccable um who would be you know again just sort out some shipping ship a massive box over there and call it uh distribution in australia kind of or i will hand but i'm not the businessman here i'm not the, i'm not the businessman here so no like i say i will just fly over there with a pallet of product and call it a business right off that sounds like a better plan <laughs> listen australia is amazing man like the the country, everyone's like, when they ask me, like, what is, what's, what's Australia like? I said, Australia is America, but clean. Ooh, I like it. There's no dirt on the roads. There's no litter anywhere. Um, everything has a place. Um, it's, a, it's a country of, of rules and regulations. They love, love, love rules. And um, to give you an idea of how much they love rules, if you're coming home from a bar at 2 a.m. in the morning, and the little red man says, don't walk, they don't walk. It's just, it's just their society. Um, oh. But it's an awesome society. Uh, South Africa is awesome too. You'll have to get there one day too. Uh, yeah. But Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand's almost like a Western hunt kind of market. Um, they've got some, some great products there. They've actually got shelf-stable food that's... Um, it's, I don't even, you'd probably know the, the, the term, uh, the company's name is Native, N-A-T-I-V. And they yeah. make like a butter chicken, like I love Indian food, and they make a butter chicken yeah. that's in a packet, and all you do is you boil it in water, and it's, I don't know what it's, it's not freeze-dried, but it's shelf-stable, and it's, it's almost, it's just ready package. to eat. Like almost if you had canned meat at home, it's like it's shelf stable and then you just reheat it and kind it's of. It's a super, it's a super thick plastic packet. Uh, you'll have to look it up. N-A-T-I-V, native is the thing. And they're, they've got a spaghetti bolognese and they've got a, the butter chicken is just to die for. Um, I'm into it. That sounds mm -hmm. lovely. It's, let's, I'll put a, a, a pitch in for a butter chicken dried freeze-dried meal please that would oh, be if you're gonna amazing. order you have to try our spinach curry with chicken and rice because it tastes like sog i don't know if you've ever had yeah. or it's real yeah 100 percent. all right i'm gonna put an order in you'll um, love my wife's gonna be like what's this 400 dollars on the credit card <laughs> <laughs> just supporting a woman-owned business it's fine 100 <laughs> percent. exactly exactly um I like to keep these short and sharp. So Heather, um, can people buy it? They can buy it straight from you. They can buy it from the website. Uh, are there any stores like locally in the lower 48 that they can go to and see the stuff? I'll pick yeah. it up. We are in select deals, Sportsman's Warehouse, REI stores. We have a book of about 150 independent retailers all across the country. So definitely encourage people to check out the store locator on our website. So if there it is a store near you that you want to support and we're actively growing our wholesale business. So if people have stores that they like to shop at that don't carry Heather's Choice, 
we are all ears because yeah, if we're going to have two kitchens here soon, you know, we're going to be making a bunch more food and getting it out to people. I'm trying to find if there's a place. Search stores within, there's nothing within 50 miles of me. <laughs> 100 miles of me. Let's have a look. Search stores. No results. All right. Online it is. Yeah. Man, that was something we learned during the Shark Tank airing. Like, the amount of web traffic we got from the East Coast was bonkers. And the amount of business yeah. that we booked during that first hour of airing on the East Coast may paled the rest of the country. And we were like, oh, I guess maybe Jeez, we should a market you probably had never, yeah, you'd never thought about. Been trying to feed, Unbelievable. you know, the Pacific Northwest and just focus on the Western states. And that was really eye-opening for us. Like, oh, turns out there's a lot of people on the East Coast. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. That's awesome. Well, look, man, I, you know, from the hunting community's perspective, I'd heard about, obviously, Cody let me know, but, um, like, I don't think anybody in our space has done what you've done. So kudos, massive, massive, massive kudos. Yeah, thank you. It's it. I think that it's abundantly clear people do turn into the or tune into the Shark Tank series. Like I have struggled to build this business, and every every facet, every part of it has been hard. It has stretched me personally beyond comprehension, and it's really, really heartwarming to see people like. Kevin Dana from uh, Barney Sports Chalet here in Anchorage, who was one of the first people that watched us on Shark Tank while he was at while he was in Dallas, the same show you were at, texting me, being like, "I remember in the early days when you were sampling pack rooms at our store. Congratulations!" And just that level of support that we've received from the hunting community, there's there's nothing to replace that, and I hope that we can continue to serve our early adopters and our early customers in a really big way as yeah you guys put us on the map that's for sure no that's awesome that's awesome well go check out heather's choice um lots of good stuff on the website if you've never heard about them just peruse and check out the stuff um packaroons are what they're famous for but now these freeze-dried meals um African peanut and, and the spinach curry. Yep, that's going to be in the order for sure. Good choice. Good for choices. Sure. <laughs> Heather, thank you, man. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so you. much. Appreciate the time. Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.